Well, our scripture reading comes from Galatians 5:22 through 23. No need to look that up. Just go ahead and turn to page 222 in your pew Bible, Ruth chapter 1. <laughs> Please stand. Now, if you know Galatians 5:22 through 23, you can recite it with me. Right. <laughs> Hopefully you know it by now. And the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Against such things there is no law. Right. And these things are what? Virtues. Right. Against such virtues there is no law. You won't be arrested if you display well. You might be these days. I don't know. What do you think, Ben? We just might be. Uh, You know, uh, Father Norman there uh, told us uh, it's now illegal to evangelize in the country of Canada. Is that correct? Okay. And who knows? We're probably not far behind with this administration. Ruth chapter 1. Verses 1 through 18. In the day when the judges ruled, there was a famine in the land, and a man of Bethlehem in Judah went to sojourn in the country of Moab, he and his wife and his two sons. The name of the man was uh, Elimelech, and the name of his wife, Naomi. And the names of his two sons were Malan and Chilion. They were Aphrodites from Bethlehem in Judah, and they went into the country of Moab and remained there, but Elimelech, the husband of Naomi, died, and she was left with her two sons. These two took Moabite wives. The names of the one was Orpah, and the name of the other, Ruth. They lived there about ten years, and both Malan and Chilion died. So that woman, Naomi, was left without her two sons and without her husband, only her two daughter-in-laws. Then she arose with her two daughter-in-laws to return from the country of Moab. For she had heard in the fields of Moab that the Lord had visited his people and had given them food. So she set out from the place where she was with her two daughters-in-law And they went on the way to return to the land of Judah. But Naomi said to her two daughters-in-law, Go, return each of you to your mother's house. May the Lord deal kindly with you as you have dealt with the dead and with me. The Lord grant that you may find rest, each of you, in the house of her husband. Then she kissed them, and they lifted up their voices and wept. And they said to her, No, we will, we will return with you to your people. But Naomi said, Turn back, my daughters. Why will you go with me? Have I yet sons in my womb that they may become your husbands? Turn back, my daughters. Go, go your way, for I am too old to have a husband. <laughs> if I should say I have hope, even if I should have a husband this night, and should bear sons, would you therefore wait till they were grown? 
Would you therefore refrain from marrying? No, my daughters, for it is exceedingly bitter for me, to me, for your sake, that the hand of the Lord has gone out against me. Then they lifted up their voices and wept again, and Orpah kissed her mother-in-law, but Ruth clung to her. And she said, See, your sister-in-law has gone back to her people and to her gods. Return after your sister-in-law. But Ruth said, Do not urge me to leave you or to return from following you. For where you go, I will go. And where you lodge, I will lodge. Your people shall be my people. Your God, my God. Where you die, I will die. And there will I be buried. May the Lord do so to me and more also, if anything but death parts me from you. And when Naomi saw that she was determined to go with her, she said no more. The grass withers, the flowers fail, but the word of our Lord endures forever. Please join me in prayer. God, thank you for your word. It is a lamp unto our feet, a light for our path. Inerrant, infallible, authoritative, and true. We pray now, Lord, that you would be the teacher and the preacher speaking through your servant unto your servants. Open our eyes, hearts, minds, entire persons under the message you would have us to hear, understand, and apply. Father, we pray in the power of the Holy Spirit, in Jesus' name, amen. Please be seated. Well, we continue our walk through the fruit of the Spirit, gardening the seventh virtue, faithfulness, in the Greek, pistis. And at the outset, as we stated before last week, uh, we are not referring to faith, to a set of beliefs and doctrines concerning our Lord Jesus Christ, but we're referring to the quality of our relationships with others, believers as well as unbelievers. Martin Luther writes, When Paul reckoneth faith among the fruit of the Spirit, it is clear that he speaketh not of faith which is in Christ, but of the fidelity and humanity of one man towards another. And it's that way with all the virtues of the fruit of the Spirit. The context of Galatians chapter 5 is not on a horizontal, not on a vertical plane referring to the quality of our relationship with our Lord, but on a horizontal plane referring to our relationships with each other. but especially between believers here at First Presbyterian Church of Biloxi. And last week we saw that the faithful Christian is the Christian who keeps his or her word even when it hurts. Epaphroditus almost died to help Paul, to serve Paul, Philippians chapter 2. He made an oath to serve Paul and he kept his, his, his oath, he kept his word even when it hurt. Jesus did die to keep His oath, to keep His Word with His heavenly Father, to keep the covenant that God made with Abraham in in Genesis 15. Are you a faithful Christian in your relationships to others? If you are, you will keep your word, you will keep your oath, you will keep your promise even when it hurts. If you say something, do it. If you promise something, keep your word. The faithful Christian is also the Christian who is loyal. 
Not only one who keeps his word or her word, even when it hurts, but the faithful Christian is the loyal Christian. Proverbs 19, verse 22. What a man desires is unfailing love. Proverbs 20, verse 6. Many a man claims to have unfailing love, but a faithful man who can find. Why? Because unfailing love, because faithful love is costly. When Jesus was arrested, the disciples scattered. Peter denied Jesus three times. I don't know him. I don't know him. I don't know him. Judas betrayed Jesus for 30 silver coins. That's not faithfulness. That's not loyalty. In Galatians chapter 4, Paul shows concern for the believers of the church of Galatia for their lack of loyalty toward him. He writes in Galatians 4, verses 15 through 16, Where then is your blessing of me now? Have I become your enemy for telling you the truth? Let me ask you, when your friend is mocked at work or school or in the community, do you stand up beside him or her to show your support and your loyalty? When your friend is going through difficulties like Job or King David went through, are you a friend who sticks closer than a brother? Proverbs 18, verse 24. Proverbs 17, 17. A friend loves at all times, and a brother is born for adversity. That's why I love the story of Ruth. It's one of the greatest examples of faithfulness in the entire Bible. Ruth tells Naomi, don't tell me to go. Don't tell me to leave you. Don't urge me to turn my back from you. Where you go, I will go. Where you stay, I will stay. Your people will be my people. Your God, my God. Where you die, I will die. And there I will be buried. May the Lord deal with me, be it ever so severely, if even death separates me from you. Ruth chapter 1. That's faithfulness. That's loyalty. I reminded, uh, you remind you of, uh, uh, from, from last week how the Expositor's Bible Commentary defines faithfulness. Faithfulness is the warm, firm clasp of friendship. I like that. Faithfulness is the warm, firm clasp of friendship. Faithful friends lovingly hold on to each other and don't let go. It's that type of faithfulness that Jonathan and David had. Another example of faithfulness is Timothy towards the Philippians. Concerning Timothy's faithfulness and loyalty towards the church at Philippi, the Apostle Paul writes, I have no one else like Timothy who takes a genuine interest in your welfare. Philippians chapter 2, verse 20. No one else like Timothy. That's faithfulness. That's loyalty. When your friend does something wrong, do you desert him or her? Or do you stay loyal and try to help? When your friend does something wrong to you, do you end the friendship? Do you sit on the other side of the pew? If so, you're not being faithful. Faithful friends don't give up on each other because God doesn't give up on us. Stay loyal. Stay faithful. Time and time again, the Israelites rebelled against God in the desert. But Moses would always intercede, calling to mind God's faithfulness. In Exodus 
32 when God was going to destroy the people because of the golden calf. Moses interceded by reminding the Lord of his covenant. Exodus 32. But Moses sought the favor of the Lord, his God. Lord, he said, why should your anger burn against your people whom you brought up out of Egypt with great power and a mighty hand? Remember your servants Abraham, Isaac, and Israel to whom you swore by your own self. In other words, remember your covenant. Remember your faithfulness. Remember your loyalty. And then the Lord relented and did not bring on His people the disaster He had threatened. Exodus 32, verses 10 through 13. When Jerusalem was being destroyed by the Babylonians in 586 B.C. because of the Israelites' sin and unfaithfulness, the prophet Jeremiah writes in Lamentations chapter 3, Yet this I call to mind, and therefore I have hope. Because of the Lord's great love, we are not consumed. For His compassions never fail. They are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. Second Timothy chapter 2, verse 13. If we are faithless, God remains faithful. He cannot disown Himself. God's example is our standard when another person or believer does us wrong. They're coming to get me. (laughs) Being faithful towards other people means not giving up on them when they hurt us. Why? Because God doesn't give up on us. We're talking about loyalty. It's more than just being long-suffering, macrotomia, patient. It's more than goodness and kindness. We're talking about being committed to our loved ones or to our friends or our fellow church members. We're talking about remaining loyal. John Sanderson, in his book, The Fruit of the Spirit, writes, Our faithfulness is not occasional. We should not allow circumstances to keep us from being faithful. Our faithfulness should not rest on another's faithfulness, but when he or she is found to be unfaithful, we should continue to be faithful. Brothers and sisters, just consider how many times we have been unfaithful towards the Lord and how He continues time and time again to show His loyalty towards us. Surely in our relationships with each other, we can say, Satan, world, the flesh, the three great enemies to the Christian faith, the three great enemies to the body of Christ, Satan, world, and the flesh, I am not going to allow you to break the tie that binds. I'm going to remain faithful. I'm going to remain loyal. I'm going to remain committed to my brother or sister in Christ. I will remain faithful and loyal to my family members. I will remain faithful and loyal to my friends. I will remain faithful and loyal to my fellow church members. I told this story a few weeks ago when we were considering agape love. Of course, many of you will remember it's a story of two young men who had been friends their entire lifetime. They went to school together. They engaged in the same athletic programs together. They graduated together and enlisted in the Army together during World War I. And one day they were found to be in the same area of battle together known as No Man's Land. 
And after a particular bitter battle one day, it was discovered that one of the boys was lost out in what is known as no man's land. And the other boy, safe and unhurt, went to his commanding officer requesting permission to go search for his friend, which his commanding officer said, it's of no use. No one could have survived the fire of so many hours out in no man's land. The bullets, the grenades, the mines. However, however, after much insistence, the boy was given permission to go search for his friend. Sometime later, he returned with the body of his limp friend over his shoulder, to which the commanding officer replied, uh, Didn't I tell you it was of no use to go? Didn't I tell you it was of no use to go? To which the boy with radiance in his eyes replied, But it was not. I got there in time to hear him whisper, I knew you would come. I knew you would come. That's faithfulness. That's loyalty. That's how God showed His faithfulness and loyalty towards us. That's how Jesus showed His faithfulness and loyalty towards us. He stooped down into no man's land. He saw we were dying. In fact, He saw we were dead in our sins and our trespasses. Ephesians chapter uh, 2, verse 1. He resuscitates us back to life and He pulls us out of darkness into His wonderful light. And we whisper into His ear, I knew you would come. I knew you would, would come. And then He does something incomprehensible, inconceivable. Jesus turns back towards no man's land. And He walks straight towards the enemy. And He sacrifices His life for us. And all the wrath and all the punishment do sin. Your sin, my sin, our sin. Jesus took upon Himself. And He received the full wrath from God the Father due sin. And for those with eyes of faith and who look upon that old rugged cross and believe that Jesus died for His or her sin, for those who with faith mortify sin, repent of sin, put it to death and turn 180 degrees in the other direction and run to Christ and look up upon that cross and accept Him as their Savior, as their Redeemer, as their King, as their Lord, Jesus gives them eternal life. For God so loved the world, He gave His only begotten Son, that whoever believeth in Him should not perish, but have everlasting life. John 3.16 That's faithfulness. That's loyalty. God stayed loyal and devoted to man when man had proven themselves unfaithful. That's faithfulness. And God wants us to show that type of faithfulness and loyalty towards each other here at First Presbyterian Church of Biloxi. He wants us to show that type of faithfulness and loyalty towards all people that He's placed in our lives, our, our family members, our friends, our neighbors, our co-workers, our schoolmates, other believers, and yes, even unbelievers. Romans 12, verse 10. Be devoted and faithful toward one another in brotherly, lo brotherly love. Well, the faithful Christian is the Christian who keeps his or her word even when it hurts. The faithful Christian is the loyal Christian. The faithful Christian is also the dependable Christian. Few things are more vexing, writes Jerry Bridges in his book, The Pursuit of Holiness, than relying on someone who is not dependable. 
Can you be counted upon when it comes to doing what you promised? Continues Bridges. Dependability has taken a decidedly back seat to personal desires or convenience. I'll keep that commitment if it's convenient, seems to be the attitude of our age. I'll go to Sunday school, I'll go to worship, I'll go to Bible study if the NFL is not playing. If it's not convenient. I'll help with the church cleanup day if it's convenient. I know I told you that I'd help you on your computer uh, tonight, but some friends and I are going to go to the movies, and so I'll, I'll... I'll help you another time. Some people, time and time again, break their promises and let us down, and they earn a reputation that they just cannot be depended upon, writes John Sanderson in his book, The Fruit of the Spirit, a book I highly recommend. (laughs) The unfaithful person is the one who has no solid supports, so that in any given situation you may not predict his or her conduct and therefore may not have any confidence in him or her. Are you a trustworthy person, a person who's dependable, who's reliable? When others are talking about you and one's worried about whether, whether you'll do what you said, will it be heard of? Oh, don't worry. If John said that he would do it, he'll do it. Consider it done. If Mary said that she would show up, you can count on it. She'll be here. That's the type of faithfulness. That's the type of dependability God asks us to cultivate. But what happens when we're not faithful, when we're not believers who keep our word even when it hurts, when we're not loyal, when we are not dependable? Well, what happens? The acts of the sinful nature from Galatians chapter 5 start to appear. The acts of the flesh, hatred, discord, disunity, dissension, backbiting, factions, We become suspicious of what others say. We devour each other. We slander each other. We become skeptics of others' promises. Note Galatians chapter 5, verse 15. If you keep on biting and devouring each other, watch out or you will be destroyed by each other. Galatians chapter 5, verses 19 through 21 describe the progressive degenerate spiral of those who are not faithful toward each other in the ways that we have seen thus far. Faithfulness is the cure. Faithfulness is the remedy. Faithfulness is the answer. When unbelievers see our unfaithfulness, they disbelieve our faith. One of the worst witnesses to Christ is the unfaithfulness of believers towards unbelievers. Of course, we wouldn't think about being undependable towards our unbelieving employer, or we'd get fired. But when it comes to those within the body of Christ or unbelievers who have no authority over us, some Christians don't even blink an eye in being unfaithful. We need to be a people of faithfulness. We need to be a people of our word, even when it hurts. We need to be loyal. We need to be dependable, not only only towards other Christians, but even towards unbelievers. Faithfulness, faithfulness really is a form of evangelism. God evangelized His salvation, His amazing grace, His unfailing love to the entire world by dying on the cross and by rising from the grave. He kept his oath even when it hurt. He remained loyal. He remained dependable. That's faithfulness. 
And Christ promises to return again. In Revelation chapter 9, Christ keeps His promise. Christ is the rider on the white horse. And the rider's name is what? Faithful and true. Revelation 19.11 Christ is named faithful and true. If God were not faithful, we'd be without hope. We should just go home and watch football. But He is faithful. Because He is faithful towards us, we can be faithful towards each other. Let's, let Christ's example spur you on towards being faithful to each other. And not only to each other here at First Presbyterian Church of Biloxi, but even towards unbelievers so that they too may receive Christ. Well, we'll have to stop here. Join me next week as we see ways that we can cultivate this virtue of faithfulness in the gardens and soil of our hearts. Let us pray. Lord, great is your faithfulness. Help us to be faithful, not only to you, Lord, but to each other, to other Christians here at First Presbyterian Church of Biloxi. And help us to be faithful, Lord, to unbelievers in our lives, to keep our oaths even when it hurts, to be loyal, to be dependable, not so that they can praise us, Lord, but that they may praise you, the God in whom we have believed, so that they too may know you with saving faith. Lord, help us to keep this seventh virtue of faithfulness at all times. We pray in the power of the Holy Spirit, in Jesus' name, amen.